So like I said earlier, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We love having you here. Uh, we don't normally meet in the parking lot. Um, but this morning we're doing something really unusual. It's the first time we've ever experienced this as a congregation. And that is that I'm stepping down as the lead pastor here and Gary Anderson is stepping up. So we're acknowledging that as a community, celebrating that as a community. And I gotta tell you, Gary, this is a sweet gig, man. It really is. I've had friends that have called me and said, have you lost your mind? Like, this is incredible what you've got going here because you guys are generous. You guys are kind. Most of you are good looking. <laughs> you give of your time. Thank you, Rob. You give of your time and your effort. When we called you into discipleship, you're like, we're there. You're just an amazing group of people. And it's been really a joy. I can honestly say it's been a joy to lead you. I get like zero emails from you on Monday that said, how dare you say? And either I'm not saying anything that's controversial or you're just really nice people. Maybe a little of both. But what's crazy is that, it, you know, you want, you're not gonna be surprised when I say to you that Renee and I, we really love you guys. Uh, but this might surprise you, we really like you guys. So what's going on this morning? Because some people go, okay, what's the real story? What's really happening? Are you dying of cancer? No, I'm not, all right? That's not happening. Let me tell you what's going on. Something remarkable is going on. And for the next few minutes, I wanna help pull back the veil for you to see what is unseen so that you can see what's going on because it is spectacular, not just here, but right where you are. So do you know what trading cards are? Like they started with baseball, baseball trading cards. Well, they've moved to every sport. And in the NBA, there's one trading card that is sought out more than almost any other. And it's the trading card of Sam Vincent. Not surprised, are you? So you may say, I've never heard of Sam Vincent. Well, let me tell you about Sam. Sam, when he was in high school back in the early 80s, he was actually named uh, Mr. Basketball in the state of Michigan. Uh, the number one high school basketball player in all of Michigan. So nobody was surprised when Sam went on to play for the University of Michigan, or no, it was Michigan State that he played for. And then after a kind of a great career in college, he went on, he got recruited by the Celtics uh, to play for the Boston Celtics. He stayed there for two years, and then he bounced to, I think it was the Seattle Supersonics, and then a couple of more teams, and over seven years he played for five different teams. And he was good, but you don't even know his name, do you? So why is it that his card is one of the most invaluable trading cards that you can find in the NBA? Well, the day they took his picture to put on his trading card was actually Valentine's Day, 1990. Let me tell you what happened on that day. They were playing against a team called the Chicago Bulls. And someone had broken into the locker room of the Chicago Bulls and they stole a jersey. They, sold, they stole one jersey, and it was number 23 of Michael Jordan. And so when they got ready to get prepped for the game, they went in and they found that the jersey was gone, and the trainers scrambled everywhere to find Jordan's replacement jersey. They couldn't find it. So they had to just throw a jersey on him, and it was number 12. It was the only game in Michael Jordan's entire career that he wore the number 12. And the picture they took of Sam Vincent going up for this layup Right next to him was Michael Jordan and the only recorded picture of him wearing number 12. <laughs> it's called a shadow card. It's known in the business as a shadow card. 
because what's in the shadow of the card actually makes the, more, the card more valuable than who the card is actually about. That's what you're experiencing here today. A shadow card. Because you might see me stepping down and Gary stepping up, but if you look closely, the only thing that you're going to see is a Jesus that is moving. Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter two, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, here's the crazy thing, Midtown, and I love you and I know you love me, but it's never been about me. And it's never going to be about Gary. There's a much bigger story that's going on. And if we pause long enough to go, what is this bigger story? We're going to hear music that we've never heard before. A soundtrack for our lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 or 4, this is what Paul says. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. We are servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God, his God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not to us. To show. We are here to show. We're here to show that even though this is a pot of clay, a Sam Vincent, in the shadow, there is glory that you can't even possibly imagine. And let me tell you what happens when you begin to hear that story. God is going to get you in so far over your head that you become a person of prayer because it's the only way you're going to survive. You become a person that's dependent upon his power because that's the only power that's going to get you through. He's going to get you in so far over your head that you're going to be a person that cries out to something greater than yourself. You've heard me say this before. We lived in South Florida. There are warehouses in South Florida where they take boats that are made to be in the water, boats that are made and crafted for the open seas, boats that were, that were technologically developed to handle the weathers and the challenges of the ocean. These warehouses take these boats and they clean them and then they shrink wrap them. And they stick them in little porticos in this warehouse so they don't rust, they don't decay, salt doesn't get to them, that they're pristine. And believe it or not, this may shock you, most of those boats never come out of there. People own boats and never use them. It's a shocker, isn't it? We want a couple of them right here. So that when these people die, they can go to their death comforted by the fact that their boat has no rust on it whatsoever. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's life if you have not pulled back the curtain and see the biggest picture. Because when you push it back, you're going to realize you were made for the open seas. And when you realize you've been made for the open seas, you realize the one that calms the water goes with you out into the open seas. And it's going to make you a dangerous person. I mean, you're so dangerous. We're going to be like kids, like kids whose dad are super rich and we got their credit card. And we're just going to go spin, spin, spin everything the Lord gives us. We're going to just give it away. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you mere human beings? What he's saying is, you're thinking like kids. When you start to assign to Paul 
value that doesn't belong to Paul or to Apollos, stuff that doesn't belong to Apollos, you're acting like kids. You're thinking really small. You haven't pulled back the curtain. Paul said, let's pull back the curtain. And he says, what after all is Paulus? And what is Paul? We're only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. You got to help Gary grasp this because there's a lot of pressure standing up here in front of you guys. I mean, you're amazing people, but let me, let me let you in on a little secret. Gary can't save you. Shocker. He can't change you. Shocker. He can't heal you. Shocker. And here's the big one. He's not going to live up to your expectations. Only Jesus does that. But if you pull back the curtain and you start to see something bigger is going on than Gary, you're going to see Jesus at work. And it is an amazing ride. I mean, it's incredible for you. So when we started Midtown 23 years ago, I remember sitting at Scarrett Bennett and the staircase realizing that it was spring break and our entire church of 10 people were on spring break. <laughs> and I'd prepared all this time for a sermon. <clears throat> and I'm sitting there panicking, like, what do you do? This was back before we took up an offering. No, we didn't take up an offering, but we needed it. And I'm panicking. And I remember the Lord saying to me two things. Hang on, this is my ride, not yours. So when you begin to realize that, do two things. Don't ever take credit for it. And whatever I give you, give it away. Then you're going to learn how much I'm giving you. It was a great ride. And today, I, you know, there's a lot of mixed emotions for me because... I'm sad. I'm sad to be leaving this role that I've done for 23 years. Um, but grief is good and sadness is good because those things tell us that our lives matter, that, that we're loving and we're made to love. And if you're going to love, you need to learn how to walk into grief because if you don't grieve, you're not going to love again. It's too painful. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you for 23 years of us working together to be the church in the city. Do you know that you have sat through nearly a thousand sermons by me? God help you, I know. I bet if we had, raise your hand if you can name one illustration I've repeated more than once. At, yeah, I got it, okay. Thank you for not putting that in my face, I appreciate it. Do you know that we've studied almost every book in the Bible I didn't tackle Leviticus, and you're welcome, all right? <laughs> you know that we've moved six different times? We went from my living room to Scarrett. In Scarrett, we moved to three different rooms uh, over 18 months. Then we outgrew Scarrett, and then we moved to the old Rocket Town, and then the old Rocket Town got uh, torn down. You remember this on 6th Avenue? And then we moved to West End, and none of you went. Like, nobody <laughs> went to church at West End that summer. Then we came back to the new rocket town and now we're here at this amazing property here at Granny White. And over those 23 years, we've seen a lot of crazy seasons. I mean, think about where you were 23 years ago. Some of you weren't here, you know? Others of you were single or in college. We've seen the growth of Nashville. We've seen a pandemic. We've seen floods. We've seen hurricanes. 
You guys have endured me bringing gongs up on the stage. That was epic. I loved that. I tried to buy it. They wouldn't sell it. Leaf blowers, in and out burger banners. You endured me ripping the shirt off Chad. That's right, bro. Need to do that more. And peeps, lots and lots of peeps. Thank you for celebrating my love of peeps. All thing peeps. You know, seriously, you guys have walked with Renee and I. You've helped us raise our children here. You've watched two of our children get married and you walked with us when we buried our oldest. You know, when Zach died, you guys stepped in and when we could not walk, you walked for us. We, when we couldn't go forward, you carried us. Literally, you didn't give up on us and you fought for us and cared for us and Renee and I and our whole family would be forever thankful for the way that you guys loved us. And it's hard to believe that was almost 10 years ago that he died. I've had the privilege of being at many of you's uh, wedding. I've married a lot of you. I've baptized a lot of your babies. And I, as early as this week, I have cried with you when life and Jesus just doesn't seem to make any sense. And it's crazy with all of this, people are still asking me, what are you going to do when you retire? <laughs> For the record, I am not retiring, all right? I'm not going to play golf. I'm not going to rest. I don't need to rest. I don't need to go and work out more and get in better shape. I don't need to start gardening, and I'm certainly not going to start knitting. I promise you. This is the greatest gift. You're allowing me to do what I love to do. And here's what I love, 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 love to do. I love to create messes and I love to pick a fight. And you guys are allowing me to give this congregation to Gary so that I can go and pick a fight. Do you know, <clears throat> I went to our elders about four years ago and I said, guys, do you know that there are a million people moving to this city? In 10 years, there'll be 2.5 million people living here in Nashville and I take that personal. I do, because this is our mission field. This is the place that God has called us. This is our home. This is our city. And guess what, church? This is our time. Do you know, grasp this. Today, after five years of laboring in the inner city in Napier, this afternoon is the very first church service at our Napier Church in Napier. And I gotta tell you, I, I'm angry. I'm angry for more of that. I'm angry that we would plant churches all over this city, churches of color, churches of different language. I am angry and I'm passionate that Midtown would be this united, strong, thriving community of congregations. And the Lord has given me a vision to launch new churches all over this city. We want to reach Generation Z, whoever they are. They don't know who they are. Churches of color. We want to do things that you're going to scratch your head and go, is that a church? It's my passion to raise up a new generation, to find, equip, train, and empower young new leaders 
to start new gospel works in our city. And on behalf of me and my entire family, I want to thank you for believing in that vision and caring for us to let me go do that. But for me to go, somebody has to stay. And that's Gary. And I'm really excited. I'm sad and excited. I am grieving and full of great joy and anticipation um, for us now to install him as your pastor. So I'd like to ask uh, the elders um, and the prayer and advisory team if you would come up and join me up here on the stage. Come on up. There you go. So the prayer and advisory team, you may say, well, I know about these elders, these elderly guys, but who is this, this group we affectionately call the PAT, which is Jeremy Holly, Lauren Tuck, Karen Gauze, Jen Colquith, Cami Ott, and Georgia Farrell. This is the team that was put together in our search for Gary uh, to pray with us, to... Um, to give their opinion and counsel to us and to help us in this exhaustive search for, uh, for a new pastor for this community. So I want to pause and thank the prayer and advisory team. In fact, I actually have something for you. All right. On behalf of the Granny White Session and the Congregation of Midtown Fellowship, we would like to show our appreciation for reading through countless resumes, listening to endless sermons, sitting through mind-numbing Zoom meetings, praying when nobody was around, never losing your sense of humor and kindness, and always believing that God had the right person for us. We want to thank you for not losing heart or losing the heart of Midtown in your exhaustive search for our pastor. So today, we would like to award you the first annual, the first annual, Gary, it's up to you to keep this going, all right? <laughs> the first annual People to the People Award for excellent service and tireless dedication to this congregation. Chad, yes. Yeah, it's very fitting, very fitting. Jeremy, the pink one, yes. Very good. Very fitting. Gary and Beth, I'd like to ask you to come up, and I don't know if your kids are here, but if they are, bring them on up with you. Maggie, Howie, Rose, and George. <laughs> Gary's about to take some vows to you as a congregation. Then I'm going to ask you a number of questions as a congregation uh, your answer is we do. <laughs> you notice we have security around here, right? <laughs> Garrett's privilege. I, um, I was telling Garrett earlier, uh, when we started this prayer process four years ago, we had hoped, uh, but we didn't know if we could expect that God would bring somebody here that was so gifted and also such a fit with who we are here at Midtown. And he's done that. Um, and I'm just deeply thankful that you're the man that God has brought here 
to take this congregation uh, to the moon and back. Gary, do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament as originally given to be the inerrant word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice? I do. Do you sincerely receive and adopt the confession of faith and the catechisms of this church as containing the system of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures? And do you further promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with any of the fundamentals of this system of doctrine, you will on your own initiative make known to your presbytery the change which has taken place in your views since the assumption of this ordination vow? I do. Do you approve of the form of government and the discipline of the Presbyterian Church in America in conformity with the general principles of biblical polity? I do. And do you promise subjection to your brothers in the Lord? Have you been induced as far as you know in your own heart to seek the office of the holy ministry from love to God and a sincere desire to promote his glory in the gospel of his son? And do you promise to be zealous and faithful in maintaining the truths of the gospel and the purity and peace of the unity of the church, whatever persecution or opposition may arise unto you unto that account? I do. And do you engage to be faithful and diligent in the exercise of your duties as a Christian and a minister of the gospel, whether personal or relational, private or public, or to endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your manner of life and with the walk with this, which is exemplary piety before the flock of which God shall make you an overseer. I do. And now, are you willing to take charge of this church, agreeable to your declaration when accepting their call, and do you rely upon God for strength, promise to discharge to it the duties of a pastor? I am and I do. Midtown, do you, the people of this congregation, continue to profess your readiness to receive Gary Anderson, whom you've called to be your pastor? And do you promise to receive the word of truth from his mouth with meekness and love and to submit to him in the due exercise of discipline? And do you promise to encourage him in his labors and to assist his endeavors for your instruction and spiritual edification? And finally, do you engage to continue to him while he is your pastor that competent worldly maintenance which you have promised and to furnish him with whatever you may see fit needful for the honor of religion and for his comfort among you? Gary. I now pronounce and declare that Gary Anderson has been regularly elected, ordained, and installed pastor of this congregation, agreeable to the word of God and according to the constitution of the Presbyterian Church in America, and that as such he is entitled to all support, encouragement, honor, and obedience in the Lord, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well done, Brian. <laughs> Let me pray for you. Let's pray. Father, at this turning of the page, this telling of the story, this call that you have placed on Gary and this call that you've placed on me and the call that you've placed on this church, we pray now that you would display your glory, that you would give our brother joy in his work, we pray that, Lord, his work would not be heavy, 
that he would not need to rest from his work, but he would work from a place of deep rest. And I pray, Father, that this congregation would thrive and grow and hunger for your presence in their lives. The Father, the stories that you're going to tell through the people in this tent right now would be remarkable. That as we stand before you one day, we will glory in the work of Jesus that is the shadow player, that has been the strength and the storyteller and the provision and the call and the all for all of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.